0: in the past i typically haven't done a whole lot of single study reviews but this one excited me today it's from the august 13th 2020 new england journal of medicine and it has to deal with cellulitis which we see frequently as an acute inflammatory condition of the dermis and subcutaneous tissue and typically in the hospital where we see this while we can see it of the face and many other areas really any area of the skin on the body we often see it in the lower extremities. And so you get this localized pain and urethema and swelling and heat involving that area. And what we notice with these patients is it often reoccurs. So, subjectively, we'll see on their past medical history or we'll talk with them and they'll be like, Yeah, I've had it in the past. And that's actually not subjective, meaning that. of patients have a recurrence within three years. It is a very recurrent condition. And so obviously, if something has a very high likelihood of reoccurring, we want to try and prevent that. Unfortunately, we've had very few trials that have shown efficacy in doing that. If you do a Cochrane review, it does say that antibiotic prophylaxis is the only treatment that has been supported by randomized trials and so for example in 2013 in the new england journal of medicine there was a trial that showed penicillin prophylaxis is effective in preventing recurrence of cellulitis but we've never really had a non-drug therapy that's been proven to work And the problem with penicillin prophylaxis, other than the typical problems you can run into with antibiotics, including resistance and other issues, is that once you stop the prophylaxis, that protective effect of the penicillin does go away. Obviously, there's other bigger issues that as we get into more and more resistant organisms that penicillin does not have much efficacy for, when you have all these resistant organisms and several of them do cause cellulitis in those situations there's really no point in being on penicillin prophylaxis so this study that really sparked my interest again that's from the august 13th 2020 new england of medicine is titled compression therapy to prevent recurrent cellulitis of the leg now why why would a small single center non-blinded trial excite me because we really do see this a lot there's been a lot of theories of things that might work so we have tried things like compression therapy based on expert advice we have very little data in this field for a very common condition and as i said using a medication like penicillin or other antibiotics is less than ideal so what was really cool in the results of this trial is that 15% of people in the compression group had a recurrence of cellulitis, which is a bummer for them. But that compares to 40% of people in the control group. So again, not a big trial, not randomized, but it was a really, really big difference to use compression. Not perfect data, but a lot more data than we've had about this issue. And so compression is when you use garments or bandages, oftentimes you'll use Bandages before you have the garments fitted. And what you do with these patients is you give the greatest degree of compression starting at the ankle, and then you gradually apply less pressure as you go more proximally along the limb towards the hip. And the hope with that is that you're shifting fluid proximally, right, from the lower part of the leg towards the proximal part of the lower extremity. Now why do you do this? Obviously with cellulitis, which we've probably all seen if you've taken care of patients for more than a month in a hospital, is often associated with chronic edema. At a minimum the cellulitis itself usually causes some degree of edema, but that chicken and the egg scenario is often chronic edema causes cellulitis. So we see edema frequently because of poor lymphatic drainage that can be associated with all kinds of things, including immobility and obesity and heart failure and previous infections, including cellulitis. And I should step back and say in this study, everyone had chronic edema now why does chronic edema cause cellulitis? well obviously sometimes what we see is that the integrity of the skin is actually broken down by the degree of swelling wet stretched out skin breaks down that barrier to the outside world where bacteria can get in but that's a pretty simplistic way to think about it and also what is happening beyond just the skin integrity, is that that lack of lymphatic drainage can impair the immune response to the pathogens that do get in. And then when you do have bacteria that does get in, you have this warm, heated fluid from the body that's basically as good as a petri dish for letting that bacteria grow. And it may also be worth mentioning that there's some theory that the compression bandages and compression garments actually work as a physical barrier protection, meaning that there's still gonna be bacteria that's under the bandages, but those physical barriers of the bandages themselves are keeping more diverse bacteria from getting to the area of skin breakdown. And then if we just put cellulitis aside, We have at least thought with expert opinion and some studies have supported that long-term use of compression therapy has additional potential advantages. So the authors point this out that it can be used for chronic venous insufficiency and venous ulcers and even some skin conditions and one of those important skin conditions is lipodermatosclerosis so that's a form of paniculitis which is an inflammation of the layer of fat under the skin and why is that important because lipodermatosclerosis is a condition that is often misdiagnosed as cellulitis right we often look at a red urethematous leg and we're like oh my god might be cellulitis it probably cellulitis we'll treat with antibiotics but it's not always a true bacterial infection or cellulitis, and that's one of those conditions where it isn't an infection. So compression stockings help that, and that may be another reason why these patients were not diagnosed with cellulitis, because it was actually helping that condition, lipodermatosclerosis. Even the best trained doctors with the best intentions will still have misdiagnosis, particularly when it comes to cellulitis, I know I have frequently been wrong about seolitis, and I'm not saying I have the best training, but I do have good intentions, I think. Yet we all know that life and medicine have a way of disregarding good intentions. And let's face it, patients are much more interested in results than intentions, which is why I thought this small study was a nice additional weapon we can utilize for this common condition. Now the issue with this study, beyond it just being small and not randomized, it was pretty well done. I think the bigger issue is adherence in the real world. So in this study, 88% of the participants wore their garments four or more days per week. They had access to clinicians and specialists and lymphedema physiotherapists. And just like we learn rather quickly in medicine, that medications don't seem to work in our patients who don't take them, we have to emphasize to patients that if they don't adhere to doing the compression therapy, which is not something they always want to do every day of the week or even every week, then they should not expect the same outcome benefit that the people that did adhere to it in this study received. So thank you to all those in the capital city of Australia that did this study. And I know some of you are thinking, ah, Sydney, or perhaps Melbourne, or Brisbane, or perhaps even Perth. No, those cities are too populated for Australia to consider them the capital. The capital of Australia is Canberra. I think it Looks like it's spelled Canberra to me, but my understanding is it's pronounced Canberra. And as you all probably already know, that is derived from the Aboriginal word, which means meeting place. So I won't bore you with repeating the obvious, but maybe you learned just a little bit about cellulitis of the leg today. Which, let's face it, despite us medical podcasts having to be in the same category of health and wellness as podcast shows like Bad Girls Bible and Sex with Emily, which, while I truly just haven't had the time to check any of those out, can say I understand why we can't compete. Podcasts that are titled Hospital and Internal Medicine or Curbsiders or Core IM or whatever Our shows are probably never going to be clickbait, nor are most of the topics that we cover going to be clickbait. But that being said, I do want to thank you all. I think I'm up to about 24 million listens, about 2 million downloads, and that's just on my new platform with Podbean. That does inspire me to think that there is still some value, even though I do these less and less. And I do really appreciate it. Those of you who took three seconds to do a five-star click and also really appreciate it when you do more extensive reviews and those of you who have reached out and told me how this has helped you with a patient or maybe a personal matter or whatever i am committed and truly love open and free education i have benefited from that tremendously probably even more than i benefited from college So therefore, I also want to say thank you to all the people who have taught me over the years, which is too many people to name. So with that being said, this is Dr. Gil Parat, and I will catch you on the next round.